You're listening to the SSPX podcast. This is a series of conferences given by Father Thomas Asher of the Society of St. Pius X on the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's meant to be seen as a private retreat, a retreat that you can do while you're sheltering in place or at your house, perhaps with some extra time. For more conferences, resources such as downloadable uh, instructions and information about Holy Week, as well as live mass times, please visit corona.sspx.online. Or for all of our conferences, please visit sspxpodcast.com. Now here's Father Asher. In today's meditation, we're going to be considering how our Lord calmed the storm when he was in the boat with the apostles on the Sea of Galilee. And this incident is recounted for us by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's a fairly short incident, only about maybe five or six verses in each of the Gospels. And so I thought that perhaps we could actually go through each of them. We'll focus mainly on Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. But then I wanted to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and then Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, to pick up a few other details that might, might be beneficial for us. So let's read together Matthew's Gospel again, chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. And when he entered into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, a great tempest arose in the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And they came to him and awakened him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And Jesus said to them, Why are you feel fearful, O ye of little faith? Then rising up, he commanded the winds and the sea, and there came a great calm. But the men wondered, saying, What manner of man is this? For the winds and the sea obey him. Verse 23. And when he entered into the boat, his disciples followed him. Now, this doesn't seem like anything too striking to us. It's not uh, something that we would immediately think of finding a lot of fruit. But stop and consider that the disciples, you know, many of them were fishermen. Many of them were well acquainted with the sea. And it's easy to imagine that, that uh, the disciples saw um, the storm brewing, or, or maybe they were well acquainted with the, the weather patterns on, on the Sea of Galilee, and they knew that perhaps it was not such a good idea to cross this time. We can imagine them certainly having, you know, possibly certain misgivings, and yet um, when our Lord gets into the boat and wants to cross over, they, they follow him, they follow his example. So where the shepherd um, goes, the sheep they naturally follow. Certainly, one motive for them to follow him is the fact that they're 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 all they're all in the same boat. All right, we're we're all in this together. And whenever um, our Lord asks anything from us, we we have to remember that he's not asking anything of us, and he certainly um, would never have asked anything of the apostles that he hadn't already or wasn't already um, going to endure himself. When storms and trials, you know, buffet us, it, it is always good being well familiar and well acquainted with the life of our Lord to recall these various trials that he endured. And he did all of these things, of course, for love of us. And so too, for the love of him, we can deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Now, verse 24, and behold, a great tempest arose in the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Now, I mentioned these, these disciples, of course, they've, they've followed our Lord generously. They've made this kind of leap of faith. And yet once they have done that, it doesn't take long um, for the trials to arise, for the, for the storm to kick up. And in a way, this is, this is to be expected. It is often 
um, the case early in our conversion to the spiritual life that there is a great generosity and a great deal of consolation, and yet we know that sooner or later the storms are going to come, the trials are going to beset us. And in a way, if we if we love, um, we should look forward to these as opportunities. As I think we've said before, you know, love longs to sacrifice itself. These trials and difficulties give us the opportunity to really show our Lord how much we love him. The fact that we're willing to serve without the consolations, without recompense, without pay, it's a sign of a great love. Now we're told in this verse that the boat was covered. Now the boat, of course, is their means of salvation. I mean, it's what's keeping them from drowning, and it is what is familiar to them, and yet it's taken away. It's taken from their sight, being covered by the waves. Sometimes God does this to us, and it can be um, a source of, of agitation, and it can be a, a cause of great sadness and great great concern when what is familiar is taken away from us. We think about the, uh, you know, the how the world got, you know, turned on its ear with the whole Corona or you know COVID nineteen virus and the shutdown, and and suddenly what was what was familiar to us our our weekly mass, our weekly communion, or even daily communion or daily mass for many. Um, the ease of access for, for confession or the other sacraments. And suddenly that was all taken, taken away from us, and we were thrown back on our own resources. It was really an opportunity to see, okay, how deep is your relationship with me? How deep is your spiritual life? Are you able to, to cope with this? Now, obviously, people were upset. I mean, they, we, we love the Mass. We love the Eucharist. We love to receive our Lord. And yet, when when it is, you know, allowed by God that we are deprived of those things, um, what is our response? I mean, do we do we see that as an opportunity to deepen our relationship, or do we view it as um, being abandoned by God, as if God is asleep and doesn't doesn't care for us? Now, if the boat is covered, we're told with water. Now, normally, I mean, in our our everyday life, we don't think of water as being so dangerous. We we drink it. We bathe in it, we uh, drive in it, we splash around in it, but water can be exceedingly powerful. And in the spiritual life, um, the desolations that can hit us, they really seem overwhelming, and yet if we reflect on them, they are just so much water under the bridge. They are opportunities, as we said, for us to, to weather these storms and, and gain a greater merit. They seem terrible at the time, and yet if you if you consider them for what they are, they you know especially after the fact, they really are of little consequence. In verse twenty five, and they came to him and awakened him, saying, "Lord, save us! We perish." Now this is the the, the right response we can say, even if our Lord seems to to kind of rebuke him, rebuke them. Um, they go to our Lord when they are in difficulty. They run to him for safety. When they are, you know, desolate, that's not the time to to jump overboard. It's not the time to to separate ourselves. But we should we should go to him when we're overwhelmed. We have to run to our Lord, but without fear, understanding that that the consolation, um, the joy, will return, but it will be in His time. And and He certainly, even though He seems asleep, He is aware of what's happening, and it will not last one second longer than He wills. 
Now, of course, when we're in any sort of trial, we're going to use whatever human means are available to us, but we're not going to rely on them exclusively, but we rather are going to invoke um, our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to call on him and ask him to alleviate the, the, the difficulties, the, the problems, the trials, whatever they may be. Consider how it may have been um, different if instead of waiting um, till things were, you know, terribly extreme and the boats being swamped and covered, if they had merely asked our Lord about the weather, you know, if somebody had thought to inquire of him, you know, before they set out. Um, we can't, um, in the spiritual life, we don't want to, to take uh, chances. We don't want to wait to go to our Lord until we're at the end of our rope. And we certainly don't want to be like those souls that only think to go to our Lord, only pray to our Lord when they have a problem or when they're in danger or when they want something. This relationship that we have, it's it's an intimate relationship. It's it's the the union of two souls that love one another, of, of two friends that that should be in constant communication. Honestly, what would we think of a friend if he only called us when he needed money or when he needed help moving or when he had some problem? Would he really be a true friend or would he be rather somebody that's just simply using us? Let's make sure we're not that way with our Lord. Verse 26, And Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then rising up, he commanded the winds and the sea, and there came a great calm. Now, having gone to him, notice that he first addresses them before he addresses the storm. He will rebuke them, and then he will turn and he will rebuke the storm. Now, this fear that, that he's displeased with, this fear arises when we lose faith, when we forget that we are in the hands of our Father. St. Teresa um, describes the dog who, who terrifies her, but yet doesn't bother her at all whenever she's in the arms of her father. We think of a, a little girl, you know, she's terrified of the, of the big mean dog. And yet when she's in her father's arms, that dog can be making all kinds of noise at the father's feet. And it's not going to bother her at all. She's, she's not perturbed by the noisy thing. We have to always remember that we're in the arms of our father. Now, our Lord rises up. I mean, he, he, he gets up. He's been, he's been, you know, curled up on a pillow in the stern of the ship. He rises up um, to rebuke the storm and bring this calm as our Lord will rise up in our hearts when we, when we turn to him in prayer with confidence. And commanding the winds and the sea, so the, the things that are conspiring to disturb our peace of soul, he will bring order into our soul. And the tranquility then that arises with that order is what we call peace. Peace is precisely the, the tranquility of order. And there will be within us that great calm. We see in the, uh, the example of, of um, well, of, of many saints, but I'm, I'm thinking in particular of St. Maximilian Colby, how, you know, even in the midst of the darkest trials to have this peace and joy and calm, you know, what can the world do to us if we, if we embrace the cross and love the cross as a, as a means of salvation? They can't, they can't touch us. Verse 27, but the men wondered, saying, what manner of man is this for the winds and the sea obey him? Now, notice they, they wondered, they, they marveled. Um, now, they had already believed, remember, at Cana. They had seen the miracle, and we're told that they believed. They marvel, perhaps, um, as our Lord um, will later marvel um, when he witnesses firsthand 
um, that, you know, certain things that he already knows or, or believes already, you know, he, he wonders, he marvels when he sees the faith of the centurion, and yet it was something he already knew. The disciples ask what, what manner of man he is. Their belief in his divinity is perhaps not yet present. They, they know that this man is something special. He's certainly a prophet. He's certainly holy. And yet they're not, it hasn't been revealed to them completely just who this man is, being, being of course, a divine person. We read that our Lord rebukes the wind and the sea, so the, the, the air and the water, the wind and the sea. And we think about, you know, these, these two basic elements as things that are used to overcome fire. They can, you know, you can blow out the candles or you can, you know, spray them with water or spray the fire with water and, and extinguish it. And so, too, those things that would extinguish the fire of divine love within us um, are going to be rebuked by our Lord in order to, to bring that calm back to our soul. Now, when our Lord gets um, to the other side of the lake, um, they, they land in the country of the Gerasenes, and it's precisely there that the, the healing of the, the demoniac comes that we had uh, meditated on before as one of the miracles of our Lord. So I just I mentioned that just to kind of help put things in context and to orient ourselves. Now, if you don't mind, why don't we? It's only been what thirteen minutes. Um, let's look at Mark's gospel. It's the same event, remember, but he gives us a few details. So in Mark, we read. Um, so it's Mark. Uh, take a look here. Um, chapter four, verse thirty-five to forty. And we read verse 35, and he, and he saith to them that day when evening was come, let us pass over to the other side and sending away the multitude, they take him even as he was in the ship. And there were other ships with him. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that the ship was filled. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, sleeping upon a pillow. And they awake him and say to him, master, does it not concern thee that we perish? And rising up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was made a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you not yet faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, Who is this that both the wind and the sea obey him? So as I mentioned, this account gives us a few details that we didn't have in the other one. Verse 35, and he said to them that day when evening was come, let us pass over to the other side. So it's, it's late in the day. It's when evening has come that the, that the storm is going to, to, to uh, buffet them. And I like to think um, that maybe, you know, maybe uh, something symbolic here or some application we might make or reflection is that very often, you know, perhaps it's in the, in the, in the evening or the latter part of our life when the greater trials are going to come to us. Now, remember, our Lord had been, been teaching and, you know, preaching all day to the crowds. Um, this incident followed a long series of Christ um, teaching in parables. Um, the, he's teaching them the faith. And now, you know, the day is done. They've received the lesson. They've learned a great deal. And now it's time to put into practice what they've learned. He tells them to, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's pass over to the other side, all right? It's time to go somewhere new, to change our ways, our place, our habits. Verse 36, and sending away the multitude, they take him even as he was in the ship, and there were other ships with him. 
Notice um, he doesn't call everyone to this to the same degree of holiness. You know, we might might see in that that you know he sends away the crowds, and there's only certain ones that he calls to uh, to follow him more closely. The same thing goes for the trials and the test that that God sends us. You know, the trials and the crosses he may send our neighbor may not be necessarily the same ones that he sends to us. Now, the boat that our Lord is in is the boat of Peter, the bark of Peter, which really is the church. Um, we notice that there are there are other boats there, but notice that our Lord is only in one of them. It's only in the, the Catholic church that we find our Lord in Peter's bark. Verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that the ship was filled. In, in Luke's gospel, um, we're told that we're given the detail that it's a little ship, but the storms of persecution um, certainly fill um, the boat. You know, they, they fill the, the little church, you know, even if it's a, you know, the, think of the church in the early days of the Roman persecutions. They, they swamp the boat and, and fill it with, with trials and persecution. Verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship, sleeping upon a pillow, and they awake him and say to him, Master, does it not concern thee that we perish? Now, I, I mentioned before when we were meditating on, on Martha and her, her you know, rebuking of our Lord, you know, have you no concern that my sister hath left me alone you know, to, to, to work? And here, you know, like Martha, they they almost are rebuking, you know, do, do, do you not even care that we're perishing here? Um, and again, when we're overwhelmed, I mean, first of all, think of think of how, you know, impudent, you know, this this behavior is for the students to be addressing, you know, the master, the rabbi, the to be addressing the creatures, be addressing God in such a way. And yet it's true that in trials we can we can behave in a way that that later we look back upon and, and we regret. And so, you know, maybe a, a reminder to keep our cool in our trial and, and to never um, never lose that respect that we ought to have when we're speaking to and addressing our Lord. Verse 39, And rising up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was made a great calm. Now, if you think about it, um, the wind is is howling and 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 while it's maybe scary and while they're, you know, maybe uh, holding on for dear life, think of how much distance they're covering. You know, their sails are full. They're sweeping across the lake. Um, and of course, once God delivers them from the trial, their forward progress comes to a halt because now there's a calm and now they're forced to do what? They're forced to start start rowing. And so we can see how very often it is precisely in, in the times when we're carrying heavy crosses, in the times of trials, in the times of desolation, it's precisely then that very, you know, we can say that we, we make the most spiritual progress if we use those things um, well. This is one of the reasons why he allows trials and why um, they are so much better for our spiritual progress than, than, um, than consolations are. You know, the consolations are sweet and they're, you know, they're desirable and we enjoy them and we certainly use them, you know, and appreciate them when they come. And yet um, sugar is not a very good thing uh, for a steady diet. All right. We have to eat our our meat and our vegetables that aren't quite as sweet or savory. And yet we know they're much better at making us healthy, like these trials and desolations and storms are when they come to us in our spiritual life.
Verse 40, and he said to them, why are you fearful? Have you not yet faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, who is this that both the wind and the sea obey him? So substantially what they had said in, in Matthew's gospel. Um, let me just read. I don't have Luke doesn't contribute a whole lot more, but I'll read it to you. Not a whole lot to comment on, but this is Luke's gospel. Um, chapter eight, verse 22 to 25. So just just four verses. And it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a little ship with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And when they were sailing, so the, the wind is up, they're sailing, they're making progress. He slept and there came down a storm of wind upon the lake and they were filled and were in danger. And they came and awakened him saying, Master, we perish. But he arising rebuked the wind and the rage of the water and it ceased and there was uh, a great calm. Verse 25 then lastly, and he said to them, where is your faith? Who being afraid wondered saying one to another, who is this? Thank you that he commands both the winds and the sea and they obey him. Now, this rage of the water in verse 24, um, let us never forget that the devil, the devil can rage. And he certainly, as we said, he goes about like a roaring lion. We're meant to be vigilant. We're meant to be watchful and resist him, of course, steadfast in the, in the, in the truth. And while the devil may rage, no, we must always know that um, he is powerless without, without God giving him permission to act. Um, my father, as I said, my my master, my creator, my God, he ultimately is in control. And however much the devil rages, know that, that God from all eternity has foreseen this trial. He has weighed it. He has you know mitigated it and taken into account the circumstances. And along with the trial, he has given you know a proportionate amount of grace. And that this is something that is good for us. If we will but use it according to the to the means for which it's given to us by our our dear Father in heaven, so this um, is a very short meditation. We're only up to what 21, 22 minutes, um, and yet it's one that I think we can go back to again and again with great profit when we feel overwhelmed and when we're suffering trials, when we feel beaten down. Let us remember that that our, though our Lord seems to be asleep that he is there for us and we need only go and rouse him in in the in the silence of our hearts and in his time when the trial has accomplished the the good that it was meant to work in us he will restore that peace and that calm that that we so desire take care and god bless you